MNK Talk YA now presents Morning Star Part 2 of the Red Rising Trilogy by Pierce Brown. Howdy, y'all. It's <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I had to. I the only thing that came to mind to introduce this differently than normal. All right, of all the things I was expecting, that was not it. <laughs> <laughs> We're MK Talk YA. You should have said hi, Felicia. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. Uh, oh, this is Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is our you already said this, but this is our young adult fiction podcast. <laughs> our Western, Southern... Horse opera. Young adult fiction podcast. Where did that even come from? Because we're in space right now. Yeah, but I'm from Arizona slash the South. So howdy and y'all are just my normal greeting. Not really, but... But you're getting back in touch with your roots. I like it. <laughs> if it was up to me, I would have said, hey, yins, guys. Because I'm from Pittsburgh. You would say what? <laughs> hey, yins, guys. I don't even know what word you are saying right now. <laughs> yeah, instead of like you or y'all in Pittsburgh, people say yins. Like, yins want to yins wanna go downtown, wash the stores. <laughs> no wonder I didn't understand what anyone was saying to me when I was there. I thought oh, it was because <laughs> I was drinking, but nope. <laughs> It's a different language entirely. <laughs> yeah, sometimes Hunter and I will lapse back into some Pittsburghese when we're at work. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Oh, that was probably, I think that might have been our best intro yet. <laughs> well, you started laughing and then I was having trouble keeping it together. Have you ever done one of those quizzes that like you pick words or how you phrase things or whatever and it tells you where it thinks you're from? Oh yeah. What did you get? I got like... I don't even remember something random, but that was also kind of accurate. But since I moved so much, I don't remember which one it was. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, I've done it a lot, and I always get Western PA. My boyfriend is from South Carolina, and I think he sounds Southern. Not like extremely Southern, but because I'm not, I don't hang out with just Southern people, so it like it's obvious to me. And I didn't know that he didn't know that he sounded Southern. So the other day, someone was like, oh, yeah, like, blah, 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 your Southern accent. And he was like, what? No. Because it's not, he- like, there's people who I have never heavier, noticed. heavier Southern accents than him. But I was just like, wait, you didn't know? And then we did one of these quizzes because my, oh, no, then we texted everyone we both know. And everyone who's <laughs> friends with him and from the South said he did not have a Southern accent. And everyone who's friends with me and not from the South said he did have a Southern accent. So that was my point. Like, it's not that heavy, but it's there. And then he did a quiz, and it said he was from the South. And I felt justified. I've honestly never noticed that about him. Again, it's not super obvious. It's not, like, how I would describe him or define him or whatever, but it's in certain situations it comes out more. Like when he's had a few drinks. (laughs) When he's had a few young adult beverages. He also... But how do you you say, like, the other word for concrete? Cement. Yeah, he says... Cement, and every time he says that, I'm like, "What are you saying?" And don't pronounce it like that. Oh, that is weird. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're reading the last book of the Red Rising trilogy, and I have so many feelings about it. We're actually done with it. We're not reading it anymore. It's over. Oh well, that's true. But his next trilogy, Iron Gold, I keep wanting to call it Iron Rain, but it's Iron Gold. It's coming out in like a few weeks. Okay, but that's just the first book, and we can't read it until all three books are out, so it'll be like five years. No! <laughs> ah, that's going to be the worst. I, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it ahead of time. I know you're going to read it. I'm not, though, because I, I hate doing that. Because <laughs> then you have to reread it when the second book comes out. You, I mean... Yeah, or but usually I just don't, and then I'm confused. And then if I do reread it, I'm like, oh, I remember like 80% of this, but not the other 20%. I just get angry about it. Well, I'm excited because I think he might go on tour to promote it, right? So if he does, we need to go see him. (laughs) We need to go see him. (laughs) We should go see him. I can still go see him without reading his newest book. And I can tell him why. Oh, absolutely. I can tell him you can send me the other two manuscripts and I'll read them all. (laughs) 
<laughs> I hope he brings his dog on tour because I've been wa- I've been kind of creeping on his Instagram account and his entire <laughs> <laughs> his entire Instagram account is just him and his dog and she is the cutest dog because she looks like how I imagine Sophocles the fox to look. She looks like a little fox and her name's Eo. I'm not gonna lie, I have also stalked his Instagram. Okay. <laughs> And I'm not even good at Instagram. You know this. <laughs> it's she's really sweet though. So yeah, I really want to go on tour and see if we can maybe get him to sign our books. Maybe they can hang out with us and Toby and Banjo at a dog park somewhere. Oh gosh, I would be too nervous that Banjo would do something to embarrass herself. <laughs> well, Toby is completely misbehaved, but that's okay. Well, speaking yeah. of Pierce Brown, so it was funny because this part of the book, you texted me for a couple of things, but one of them <laughs> was about his pop culture references, correct? Um, yes. Okay. Which is why I mentioned the Hi Felicia at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Where that came out of nowhere. Like, there was no reason for him to do that other than he just wanted to put a Friday reference in his book. Well, the funny thing is, so I was like, reading up about other references or whatever that he made and I guess he's talked about how like the one scene he's cut from the original like the first one in the trilogy Red Rising that he kind of regrets or maybe not regrets but like one of his favorite scenes that it didn't make it to the final version is when Severo like lets it be known that he's a Taylor Swift fan (laughs) oh my gosh I know I read that too I wish that was still there (laughs) It's so, like he has like a secret fondness for an earthen musician called Taylor Swift. <laughs> but it is true because it. it's set in the future. So everything that's part of our normal life would be like a historical reference for them. And I'm so happy that her name has lived through the ages where people <laughs> millions of years from now still know who she is. Although knowing who she is, would you really name your kid? I don't know. Like, aren't you just asking for her to be bullied in school? What? Felicia? Wouldn't people people be like, bye, Felicia, all the time? Oh, yes. Oh, sorry. Were you talking about Taylor Swift still? I was talking about Taylor Swift. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm in my own head right now, so. No, T-Swift obviously lives through the ages. Yeah. But the Felicia reference, man, I didn't like it. I don't think it meant anything to me. I don't know why. Like, once you said it, I was like, oh, yeah. I remember thinking, like, I was just Why like, are they having this whole dialogue with some random person on the ship? <laughs> well, she, I mean, yeah, he just did it to because he wanted to put a reference in there. But I was just, I don't know. It was like, I really like this book. But when you do things like that, it makes it ridiculous. And it's like, do you want to make your story, like, take it into ridiculous territory? I don't know. Especially for, like, that scene. Yeah, it was, like, at the climax of the book, and he has, like, this pop culture. I was like, what's going to be next? Is he going to be like, damn, Daniel. Like, <laughs> damn, Daryl. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I was not a fan of that. I know it, you weren't a fan, and there's plenty of people who aren't a fan. It did not bother me particularly, but I can understand <laughs> why it would. And then I think the other thing I texted you about was... Um, <laughs> Several. Yeah, I think I just, I'm trying to look at my text. I think it was just his name in all capitals <laughs> with like five O's. At the, I was like, it was a how, basically. <laughs> that scared the crap out of me. Yeah, and then, but it was funny because in like 20 minutes later, you were like, never mind or something. <laughs> <laughs> never mind, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, Severo. Oh, never mind. Ha ha. That's what you said. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I just really thought he was dead because... I've, okay, but I also wasn't sure. Which part did you think he was dead? Not when he hung himself, but when Cassius shot him? Yeah, when Cassius okay. shot him. Because then Cassius kidnaps them, and then he cuts Darrow's arm off. And I was like, yeah. oh, crap. Okay, this is this is getting really bad. Yeah. And I didn't think that Darrow was... I don't know. I at, Towards the end... Originally, I thought Darrow was going to die, but towards the end, I was like, no, I don't think he is. But, then, but I just did not see Cassius um, turning like that and becoming like fighting for the good guys again i feel like there needs to be one more scene of him bonding with at least darrow but kind of with the rest of the crew a little bit for me to believe that that was a ruse yes and i mean they did have that scene with him and darrow where they watched the old footage from the institute and i really liked that scene because he was like i want you 
the world still needs a Cassius in it, but I can't protect you, so I have to, you know, I have to let you go. Yeah. Oh, man, I had such mixed feelings. Okay, so Roke killed himself, and Cassius turned good. And I kind of think that I felt like it was more in character for it to be the opposite. Oh, really? I don't know. Like, I kind of, I don't, like, the whole time I thought when he finally ran into Roke again, he would have a moment where, you know, who was it? Tactus? Is that who it was? Is that his name? Titus? Mm-hmm. No, what was his name? Tactus. Tactus, right? yeah. Um, who, you know, like, atoned for his sins, but then was stabbed by Lauren. I thought Roke was going to have a moment where he, even if he still died, I thought at the end he'd kind of, like, come around Forgive him. to... Yeah. It made me... It was just, like, it was a sad ending, I thought. It was. But it was also... I thought it was actually kind of appropriate for Roke, because he's always so... Like, he's so noble, and he's so... He's a poet, right? He's very poetic, and I feel like to him... I guess I don't even... I don't know if before that I felt like he was so dedicated to this, like, society and what it means version. Like, I think before he, he felt... Before, like, the Quinn thing, I... Like, it just... The whole... Like, I still don't really buy his betrayal for some reason. It still seemed like such a drastic betrayal for what happened to me. Because I thought that... I don't know. I, yeah. I think he just saw so him using so many people. It wasn't just Quinn and, and then Leah. It was just one after another, all, everyone that he was using. He just kind of figured that he didn't... Daryl didn't care about his friends. He just wanted to use them. And I think he couldn't forgive that. But I don't even under... He didn't use Quinn. Like, he didn't... Like, I don't see how he blamed him for Quinn. I still don't get that. Like, it, it's unfortunate and it was terrible. Yeah. But, like... I don't think Darrow, like, like that, I don't know. I'm still... I think it was the withholding, too. Yeah. That, I almost get that more, but when he acts like it was all about Quinn, and then we find out that, um, what's his name? The Jackal, like, killed Quinn anyways. She would have lived. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah. I don't know. I will, you know what I did like, though, was um, earlier we said that Roke was um, a Brutus figure from Julius Caesar, mm-hmm. and his last words... That the last words that Roke says before he kills himself are "night hangs upon mine eyes," and that's what Brutus says before he kills himself in Julius Caesar. And it like it pretty much follows the exact same storyline because he has, you know, seen his friends and he's seen soldiers die, and he knows that he has lost the war, and he kills himself believing that he did the right thing for his country. So he feels that he has this very noble death, but he, you know he realizes that he has lost, essentially. That's true. That's fair. So I did like that, that it kind of tied back around to his betrayal and then him being this Brutus figure. I think even if, like, I think I would have just bought into it more if Rook was upset about the lies or even the, you know, um, at the beginning of the second book when he, or maybe it was the middle of the second book when he poisoned him or, or whatever, so he didn't come to the... Oh, yeah, gal, yeah, The gal. Like, those things I felt like were bigger betrayals. Like, the fact that he was just hung up on this Quinn piece, I was just like, seriously? <laughs> like, Quinn is not, like, of all the things he's done, Quinn is not the reason to be mad at him or something. I don't know. But maybe it was that on top of everything else. I think it was a lot of stuff. Well, especially because Severo also loved Quinn, and I get that it was different, but Severo also loved Quinn, and their relationship could could get beyond all that stuff. That's true. That's true. Uh, you, Your prediction with Severo and Victor came true, which completely caught me off guard. Okay, well, so I was kind of, like, I predicted it, but then I also feel like it happened really fast. Like, all, I, was, I feel like I, we were, like, behind closed doors or something, or we were on the outside of closed door. Like, I wanted to, like, hear more of their interaction to, like, buy yeah. into, because I thought that there was, like, some potential there, but then all of a sudden they're married, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I, it, all of it completely caught me off guard, though. I did not see that coming at all. I mean, I'm I'm glad that they're together because I think they do work together. Like, they work uh-huh. well as a couple, especially since they're both so tough and kind of act... I don't know. They, like, both have walls up around them, you know? Yeah. I think they bring out a good side in each other, for sure. Yeah, they can be, like, vulnerable around each other, I think. And everyone needs someone like that. Yep. No, I like them as a couple. I just wanted more in-between stuff. Yeah, I agree. There wasn't any time, though. Like I know. There's never time for there anything. So much had to happen. Yeah. I think that's it. That was my 
overall problem with this book. Uh, you know, I think we should definitely give it a rating, but my issues with it was the scope was just so big and he wanted to do so much with the plot and it didn't give me enough time to spend with the characters and to develop like little moments that kind of added up to tell a good story. Because like we never find out what happens with Harmony. That's true. Like she, like I thought the Red Legion was going to be this big thing. It was going to be a counter movement. And we just never heard what happened with them. We never learned more about the Obsidians or, you know, where Sefi came from. They were just yeah, big Yeah, there's a lot of unanswered stuff. But there were a lot of nice moments. Like even at the end, bet- or not the end end, but um, between Holiday and Darrow. Remember when they talked about her brother? I can't remember his name now. Trey. Yeah. Like, I thought that was a nice moment. Yeah. And even when Ragnar was telling him about growing up before he died. And, like, I do feel like they did a good job before someone died of creating the relationship. But then, like, kind of... Like, even Mustang, <laughs> was, who was who was there a lot, I sort of feel like I... I don't feel like I know her that well. Yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. I don't feel like I know her that well. And I feel like I know Victra and Severa, but I don't know their relationship really. Like, I felt like I saw some flirtation or, like, some potential at the beginning. And then... Now I know they're married and they're really into each other, but I didn't see that grow or develop. Right. And um, and the jackal, like I, I mean, we, I get that he. I still have so many questions about him. <laughs> well, we never get to see really why he is so broken. You know, yeah. like there should have been something about. We get glimpses of their father and how he treated her, their mother, and how he wasn't a really, you know, he wasn't a great guy. But I just wish we saw more of a cause rather than just seeing the results of who he was. Yeah. Basically all we saw is that he's been that way for a really long time. We didn't see why. Yeah, and he's such a complex character because he is so brutal and so cruel and so he's a psychopath. But then he also is just really wants everyone's approval. And like he wants to feel loved and he wants especially he wanted his his father's approval and he was so angry that he chose Darrow as his son rather than his, you know, own legitimate son and i just wanted to get more i just wanted to matter so much i even wanted to know more about like aja or whatever her name is oh i didn't really feel anything for her (laughs) but that's probably not a good thing like ended up being this like kind of one of his like at first i thought it was gonna be cassius but like the second and third book it was basically her who was like one of his biggest rivals and couldn't be killed but I, like, felt like I didn't even know, like, why did she care so much about the society? I feel like she had this weird relationship while they were dying with um, Octavia. Like, I get that she served mm-hmm. her, but, like, I almost, like, wanted to know more about why there was such a loyalty there instead of just, like, this. Yeah. I don't know. And, like, learn more about their, her relationship with the Sovereign. Yeah. I love that, too. You, you know what I'm worried about, though? I'm worried about... Um, so in the next series, I'm really worried about Lysander because, all right, it takes place, it's going to take place 10 years after this series. So he's going to be in his early 20s. And I'm super nervous that he's going to do what Augustus, what Nero did, the Augustus did, um, like way back in the day when he kind of was taken under the wing of the people who defeated his family. And then mm-hmm. he kind of went along and pretended like he was one of them and then married the, um, guy's daughter and then sent him her head in a box and so he made her think he made that them think that he was one of them that he had totally forgiven them for what they did but he was like harboring this revenge for for like 10 years well especially because cassius took him away right and yeah is planning to raise him and no like cassius definitely came around is not a bad guy anymore whatever but I also don't feel like Cassius has bought into their vision necessarily. Like, I think he's anti the sovereign and, like, saw the flaws in that system. But I don't feel like he's had that moment, like, so many other characters in the story where he's really, like, oh, yeah, color, like, all the color. You know what I mean? Like, he hasn't had that transformation either. So if he's, like, raised in the wilderness by this guy. This is actually so... James also really likes the series and he really likes Star Wars. And he's told me there's so many... Um, comparisons between them which I'm not going to do justice to because I do not know Star Wars well enough as much as I like it I don't either but that part kind of reminded me of in Star Wars I don't know why but just like um 
like the big like in the early trilogy or whatever but when they send the i'm not even saying this well darth vader's <laughs> kids out to like different places and like obi-wan's kind of looking over luke and whatever like for some reason that reminded me of cassius and um, oh and lysander yeah uh, i guess i I'm just super nervous. I'm afraid he's going to turn on them. Well, that's the most... Because there's really no other remaining obvious, like, bad guys left. Or whatever. You know, like, I mean... No, it's going to be a fight over... The next book's probably going to be just trying to get... Figure out where the society is and if the new... If Mustang is an effective ruler, right? It would actually be kind of cool if it was more from, like, Mustang and the political side than the war and Darrow side of things. Yeah, it would be a nice shift. <laughs> How, oh my gosh, did did you expect Mustang's big revelation at the end? Uh, no. Did you? I no, and I felt really bad for Darrow because I was like, dude, this is the second time your significant other just decided not to tell you that she was having a baby. It actually like made me kind of glad that no one can secretly have my baby, and I wouldn't know. Like what? Like being a woman, like I'm gonna know if I'm having a baby. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, no one well, can, like... or he could be one of those I-didn't-know-I-was-pregnant people. One of those what? One of those I-didn't-know-I-was-pregnant people. Okay. Well, regardless, once the baby is born, I'll, like, no, like, there won't be, like, a kid of mine somewhere out in the world ever that, like... Who's, like, 20 years old and then comes back and finds you, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, oh, my, like, and I, I kind of, like, I get that it's her son and she really cares about him and all this other stuff, but, like... Did she really get to make that decision for him? Well, I think she did the same thing. that It was the same motivation that Eo had, where she didn't think that Daryl would be able to do what he had to do if yeah. he, he had a child. And that's just, like, way to underestimate someone. I mean, maybe, like, give him a chance. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, I don't know. Yeah. And they had just gotten past, like, his betrayal or whatever, which... I still, like, I agree he maybe didn't handle it super well, but he did try to tell her who he was yeah, by bringing yeah. her down there. Like, it wasn't the best method, but that's what he was trying to do, and everyone can agree. She didn't, like, discover it, and he was hiding it. Like, he was trying to tell her, right? Right, right. And then... And also just, like... And so they had, like, just gotten past that, and then she's like, by the way, I have a nine-month-old kid that, like, you didn't even know existed, and it's yours. And I didn't think you can handle it, so that's why I didn't tell you. And I and the only reason I'm telling you now is because you proved yourself to me. Like, oh my god, get out of here! Bye, Felicia. If, what if he had <laughs> if he had like lost his hand and done all this stuff? You wouldn't have told him he had a kid. Like, I don't know. and also like she just had this baby and then went right back into battle. So like clearly she could handle it. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm very happy for them, but... <laughs> no, I am too, but I... But I think she should have told But that's, that's another one of those reasons where I, like, don't understand Mustang well enough. Because I only... We don't even... I feel like our relationship with her is not even as personal as our relationship with, like, some of the other people Darrow interacts with. Like, we never see them have, like, a casual conversation. No. Like, we see a couple of these, like, passionate moments and then a lot of tactical stuff. But we don't... And mm-hmm. then references to the fact that they, like, really get each other and he can be himself and, like, all this other stuff. But we never really see those moments, like, where they talk no. about their past or they talk about really anything besides battle strategy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we... And it's the same with, like, um, we don't... We don't see a lot of characters, too, who have a huge impact. So, like, the Ash Lord, we've never seen the Ash Lord, but he basically is the one that stop, that solves everyone's problems by, like, stop. He just stops the nuclear war. Just like, yeah, it's done. It stopped. I saved the day. Yeah. Okay, I'll shoot our ally instead of our enemy. All right. <laughs> and I was like, how can, like, the person who re- resolves the plot of the book be someone who we've never seen? Although part of me was okay with that because I do feel like it was about him and his friendships and how that shaped him and developed him as a leader and all this stuff. And the Ash Lord wasn't a piece of that. But that's why Mustang bothers me more. <laughs> I guess that we didn't get you. to, like, because I feel like we didn't even get to know her as well as his other friends. I feel like I knew Roke better than her. And Roke wasn't even in the <laughs> third book. <laughs> Except at the end. Roke pulled a Cassius and disappeared for 700 pages. Yeah. Also, Cassius was there the entire book and then didn't make an appearance until the last 50 pages, which shouldn't shock anybody. But... That didn't even surprise me. 
That didn't surprise me at all. Okay, I but I didn't get the scene where Several hangs himself and then hangs Cassius and then's like, okay, we're cool. I forgive you for killing my dad. What was that all about? Well, I think it was so because um, Daryl kind of talked about it a little bit when he was observing it, like. Severo coming into his own as a leader and recognizing that the mission was bigger than, like, a revenge mission. Like, what they were trying to do with Sons of Ares and this whole thing wasn't, like, a revenge thing. It wasn't, like, getting justice for stuff that happened before, but it was really about creating this future. And it was, like, Severo's opportunity to shine as kind of what Darrow had been doing up until that point, representing an idea that was bigger than him, right? I guess. I don't know. I really like that seems, scene. It was just so dramatic, and then it seemed so unnecessary. So he was basically just saying, like, this is, what we're doing is bigger than me, and I'm doing this to kind I think, of... Pre- I think he was saying, I think he was trying to bring it back to, it's not, like, us versus the gold. It's not us versus, it's not color versus uh, color. It's, like, not, a, it's a non-color issue. Like, yes, we've all done terrible things and we're all human. And if we're going to hold people to that standard, then it's not because they're gold. Like, I've done just as much terrible stuff as this guy has, except that, like, it wasn't to your family or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I think he was trying to, like, level the playing field and, like, set that. Okay. Like, get rid of the class warfare kind of thing aspect of it. Because that's what was really happening right then. Yeah, that's true. And that's kind of when Darrow was kind of coming to the realization that he was always going to be kind of a stranger among his people because he's not really fitting in with the reds, but he's not really fitting in with the golds. And then they just randomly had a wedding like two seconds later. That was so fast. (laughs) (laughs) And are are Mustang and um, Darrow going to get married at any point? No, that's a good question. (laughs) I have no idea. Maybe. I I also thought it was interesting, like the name choice, because... Um, oh, Pax, what they named their baby Pax. The tradition was to take the older name, not like the male's name, but she took his name. Oh, I thought you were talking about Mustang and Darrow. Um, yeah, I, I did like that That they kind of did a little glimpse into like marriage traditions on Mars. <laughs> and uh, I liked that she proposed to him too. Yeah, I did too. That felt actually very appropriate. I agree, yeah. Very in character. But I was kind of surprised she took his name, especially given the tradition. And because she was kind yeah. of the last Julie or whatever they call him. Well, I guess oh, he's kind right. of the last, too. But I felt like she still had a lot of pride for her family and kind of wanted to redeem them. So I was kind of surprised that she, like, abandoned them like that. Or abandoned the name so easily. Yeah. We don't really know much about Severo's house, though, or how many people are in it. or Because he's, ha- he's Barca, right? That's his family name? Yep. So, yeah, I- <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, oh, we did get the part. Um, we did. You made a prediction about Thistle that she was a bone rider, and then maybe she wasn't. And turns out, she was a bone rider. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a rough. That was a rough scene. Cause oh, that was very ugly. But I also like. I really thought that as far as the like different people that we've hated antonia was one of my favorite people to dislike throughout the whole series really i mean she just like she was just so nasty she was so nasty like i never second guessed it but she also felt very consistent like she she was very selfish and she was very brutal and she was very caught up in her like appearance and all of that stuff so i just like i don't know i just like enjoyed her as a bad guy i think it's interesting too because most most I would say most authors say to themselves, you know, if you're going to have an quote unquote evil character, you need to give them some depth to show that, you know, everyone has a little bit of good in them or that there's more than them that meets the eye. But sometimes it is refreshing when you see a character who's they're just like, nope, this person's going to be pure evil and not redeemable. And there's going to be nothing good about well, them. I don't know. Like, it is kind of nice to break. I don't hope. think she was pure evil. I mean, she was in the in the sense that that's what like manifested itself. But I felt like more than anything, she was just purely selfish. So yeah, that's a that's a good decision. Yeah, I don't know. I also another character I wish I knew more about was um, what's her name? Lilith. Is that her name? Oh the, yeah, the jackals Lilith? like right hand lady. Yeah, we saw her like in book one. Yeah, I mean, we, she's made a few appearances, but she also I felt like she was kind of like his like the deputy of the Bone Riders or or you know like the right under Jackal, but like 
We yeah. never even, we never even like talked about her as someone we want to go kill or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish we had seen the Bone Riders in action. Because like, I, I think last episode you were talking about the Bone Riders and I was like, who are these people? <laughs> and I was like pretending like I was understanding what you were talking about. But really, in my head, I was like, who are the Bone Riders? <laughs> Well, it was interesting. I feel like the only thing they talked about was like the aftermath. So they would talk about them like having bones in their hair and even, um, you know, when they brought the Cassius, brought the captives and um, the jackal was wearing Fitchner's rib cage and like, like they were really oh into like the, the souvenir aspect of having the bones, but we never saw them mm-hmm. fight. No. <laughs> We, we knew to be afraid of them, but we're not sure why. <laughs> I know. And I, I yeah, it, the thing that is worrying me too is in this second, in this second series that's coming out, he has said that he wants the scope to be even larger than this one. <laughs> and I'm just like, how can we handle this? Like I was barely keeping up with this series and now he, he wants to broaden it even more. Well, maybe he'll bring, you know how he like, um, kind of cut off the moon lords from the core. Or the the outer rim from the core. Oh yeah. Maybe something will happen between those two groups or something in the next book to make it even. Bigger. Oh maybe or maybe Romulus will come back because I liked learning about Romulus and his household and um, I mean we got to see him like do a blood what's it called blood feud yeah <clears throat> a blood feud with Roke and I mean now that problem's kind of handled but I I, I hope we see more of him. I like I really liked Romulus and I liked kind of how he was more disciplined than the other golds and he had an interesting world. And his daughter it was his daughter, right? Or who was the kid he um Darrow's talking mm-hmm. to? Yeah. It'd be interesting to see like Darrow's kid in ten years, Lysander in ten years, that girl yeah. in ten years. I mean I guess they'll still only be like know. ten to eighteen, but you know. Yeah, there'll be an age difference, but I am definitely curious to see how the kids kind of fit into this world now. It was kind of cool to see, you're right, that Romulus scene, because we saw a second blood feud, but we saw the same lingo. You know, it was kind of, it made it into more of a tradition, like this blood feud idea. And also they did the ceremony again before war, you know, where the white Mm -hmm. and they like put the blood and they, yeah, all that stuff. Because I thought when Cassius did the blood feud at the beginning and he said those words, those words were so interesting and cool. And and so I liked that it was a tradition. It wasn't just something Cassius just like came up with on the spot. Yeah. So yeah, we do get to get to see a lot of world building yeah. in, in this series, which is super impressive and hard to do. And he, he definitely did it well. I'm also curious to see how Sefi and the other Obsidians integrate into this new society me too i cannot wait to learn more about that i actually did a little bit of research on norse mythology Ooh, tell me more well i'm not like a huge fan of norse of like nordic mythology so i was going to research that for last the last book and i just got kind of bored but (laughs) i was looking up I was, oh God, what was I doing? I was, saw him, oh, I saw Spider-Man over the weekend and there was um, a preview for one of the Thor movies and it was called like Thor versus Ragnarok and I was like, oh, Ragnar. <laughs> and so I looked up, <laughs> I looked up Ragnarok and in North mythology, Ragnarok is a series of future events and it, is, it will involve a, a big battle. And basically, it, it kind of sounds like the apo- the apocalypse or um, like in the Bible, what's that book, Revelations, mm-hmm. like the end of the world kind of thing. So when people die, the Valkyries choose who goes to Valhalla and the their job, I guess, whenever you go to Valhalla, all you do is you kind of wait around for... Um, is it like purgatory? You prepare for this battle, kind of. You like prepare to aid the gods during Ragnarok. So you're waiting for Ragnarok to happen, which is this um, series of apocalyptic events. And as part of Ragnarok, um, the belief is that this event will result in a bunch of natural disasters, and it will result in the death of a number of Norse gods, including like all the big ones like Odin, Thor, Loki. They all will supposedly die during Ragnarok. And then... 
the world. Wait, so they already <laughs> predict who's going to win and lose, basically? <laughs> kind of. Because then they said afterwards, like, the world is going to be submerged in water. And then afterwards, it will resurface new and fertile. And the world will be repopulated by two human survivors. So I thought that was kind of interesting that Ragnar is the is the obsidian who comes back. And at the end of book two, I think it was, it's when the um, obsidians rise up and they kill the fake gods. So there's like gold gold people pretending to be Odin and Thor and Loki, and they all die. Like that was half. Them. That was this. That was the last time. That was halfway through this book. Oh, yep. is it okay? <clears throat> so I just thought that was kind of an interesting tie-in because now they're like rebuilding this world. So they had this great battle where the gods died, and now the world is being reborn again. Yeah, no, that is cool. Also, it, it's reminding me of, because Ragnar, I think it was what Ragnar sent, like, the prophets before he arrived or whatever, you know, like, people to spread his message. And yeah. they talked about it being him being, Darrow being the morning star, right? And then they named the ship right. after him as the morning star, and that's the title of the book is Morning Star. I don't know where I'm going with this. Those are just, those are just facts. Well, I actually researched morning stars. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I should have just asked you what you researched, and I could have fed into it. <laughs> That's the perfect little um, lead-in. So, yes, I, I looked up what a morning star was. So what is it? And, oh, well, I, I typed in in Google, is there such a thing as a morning star? And the first thing that came up was, is there such a thing as a morning person? <laughs> it's just like maybe Wait, laugh. for real, what's the answer? No. <laughs> So for real, the answer is, um, there's actually a couple answers. So most commonly, Morning Star is the name for the planet Venus. Oh, really? Which is which is just great, because Venus did not make an appearance in these books at all. No. Oh, but, so it's, it's mostly named for the planet Venus because it appears right before sunrise, and it's the brightest object in the sky after the sun and the moon. Okay. And um, it's, so Venus is called Phosphorus in Greek. Okay. Phosphorus. And another name is Heosphoros. And that means Dawnbringer or um, bringing light to. So that kind of is a, a good name for Darrow because he's like, I don't know, bringing light to this world. Um, Do you know what I wish I... That, sorry, I'm interrupting. No. Do you know what I wish I had done? I wish I had counted the number of times someone said, let's shift the paradigm. Mm. Because I feel what you just said, stuff about bringing light. Like, there were certain phrases that they used all the time, and I almost wish I had kept a tally. Anyways, what else did you... Well, well I looked up some of the phrases, like the Latin phrases. Oh, yeah? So, um, Hicksunk leones means, here there be lions. Usually they would interpret them, wouldn't they? I feel like a lot of times they did. Yeah, and I think, like, every family had a slogan, kind of. Kind of like Game of Thrones, where yeah. they have sigils and slogans um and then praspera at astra means through hardship to the stars i don't remember whose house that or was that roke's slogan i forget now that sounds familiar anyway i looked up all those latin phrases because i thought they were interesting and i thought they would make good t-shirts oh we should make more let's we have to get our t-shirt line going one of these days i can't wait I know. <laughs> um okay so morning star is also a name for the star um Sirius, which is the brightest star in the Earth's night sky. And, oh, this is kind of cool. So Sirius is twice as massive as our sun. And it, yeah, crazy. And it appears in the sky before sunrise during the hottest, most uncomfortable part of the summer. And those, so have you ever heard the phrase, the dog days of summer? Yeah. So they're usually, that means the hottest part of the summer and that is when Sirius is visible, and uh, Sirius is the dog's, the you know, the dog star. Okay. Like, his, his constellation is... I always um, thought it was just a Florence and the Machine song. A what? Isn't there a Florence and the Machine song called something about oh. the dog days of summer, <laughs> dog days are over, or something like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's all of my pop culture reference for the day. Continue. Right. Well, we've had some Taylor Swift references, too. Well, she goes beyond yeah. pop culture because she's going to be here as a reference in 5,000 years. So. She's going down. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also 
learned that Lucifer is also called the Morning Star. So the Romans called the planet Venus Lucifer because it has a low position in the sky and it never rises high in the sky. So um, they kind of thought, oh, this is a star that's fallen from heaven. So they kind of made that tie-in. Gotcha. So That that kind of makes sense. yeah. Yeah. So that was my research for this week. Not a whole lot, but... Well, I researched exactly nothing. I kept, I had a list of things to potentially research, and then everything I came up with, I was like, wait, we've already talked about that. It was like, yeah. I don't have my list in front of me, but it was things like, if someone pretends to be dead and comes back, and then I was like, wait, Marissa already talked about people coming back from the dead, and then there was, I had something else about like leadership who lie about their, or, I don't even remember, but like, I just like, everything I was like, wait, we basically already talked about this, so... Also, it took me a while to get through it all, so I apologize. Yeah, me too. That is totally fine. Do you want to give Red Rising, the trilogy, a rating? How many, um, how many pulse fists? How many howlers? How many what? How many pulse fists (laughs) do we want to give this book? I like howlers better. How many, how many howlers? Or what about bone riders? (laughs) Or Olympic knights? Because I don't even know how many there are. <laughs> I think there are twelve, so we can do um, how many out of how many out of twelve? Okay, I think I'd give it a ten out of twelve. Okay, I was gonna go for nine. I thought about nine, and then I did the math. I was like, that's three out of four, and I think it's a little bit better than that. So that's why I did ten out of twelve. I also think it it. I really thought it was really different from the other stuff we've read so far, and I really like that about it. Yes. I agree. I guess all yeah, of them have been really different, but like I liked that it was different. This book is definitely more brutal than the others. It's definitely more violent. It's less, I don't know, I want to say it, I think it can could span genres a little bit. Like it, I, I would still consider it a young adult novel, but... I mean, I'd consider it a space opera, it's, but... Yeah, <laughs> it's a sci-fi space opera, first and foremost, for sure. Yeah, it was also, I liked, because the first book kind of reminded me of Hunger Games, but I liked that every book in the series was so different. You know, like it like really grew and changed, I thought. And you never had the moment, at least I didn't, where in the Hunger Games, everyone hated the third book. I personally did not mind the third book, but I think a lot of people found it tedious because you knew that certain people had to die. You knew that the, you knew at that point that the revolution was going to be successful, even though they made you believe it wasn't. And so I think there's a point in some of these trilogies where you're just plotting through slowly through all that action that has to happen before you get to a resolution. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really feel that with these books because there were so many twists and turns. There's so many character turnover. Yeah, there were so many characters introduced. Mm-hmm. And there were so many betrayals, and people's alliances changed constantly, and so it was it was like a very fast paced book all the way through. You know, I actually thought that Victra was going to have a moment where her loyalty was tested more after she got her fleet back, because they kind of alluded oh, yeah. to that, but then nothing ever happened. Like I wish there, had, even if she chose, even if she remained loyal, I wish there had been a moment where they really were like, <gasps> "What's she going to do?" Yeah. Especially, yeah, when she got, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ooh. But you're right, because you never, you could you didn't know who to trust or who to believe. And even when things were happening, and even though I knew this going into that last scene, I totally didn't think Cassius was going to come around. Faking the whole thing. But, but there were so many moments, too, where things, like, someone knew a little bit more than you realized. There's, you know, this, there's this extra information. I also was just yeah. waiting for those bombs to come back, though. As soon as the jackal was there and I started to think about why he was there, I knew it had something to do with the bombs. Yes. I don't know what took them so long to realize that. They had a lot going on. I mean, I guess. (laughs) Defeating the most dangerous Olympic knight and the leader of the enslaved world. Yeah. Which is different than the leader of the free world, but yeah. Overall, good. Yes. Overall, very exciting, very fast-paced. Hard to keep up at times. And in five years, we'll talk about the second trilogy. Or maybe in ten years, just to be appropriate. Although, I don't know if I can do this for ten years. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get through one year. 
If I already ran other things to research. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to talk about what we're going to read next now? Yes, please. Okay. So next we are going to read Shadow and Bone, the Shadow and Bone trilogy by Lee Bardugo. Okay, so it's it's a trilogy, but isn't there also like a related duology or something like that? Yes. Okay. So, and I've been wanting to read it for forever. It's... So there's three books in the Shadow and Bone trilogy, and then she wrote a duology, and those are called Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom. Cool. And so we'll read all of them. And I think there are some short stories that are associated with the first trilogy as well. So we have... Who we should it's gonna keep us busy. <laughs> a list of short stories to give Pierce Brown. What? It's going to keep us busy. Yeah. For a while. Okay, but when Pierce Brown goes on his book tour, I want to give him a list of short stories I expect from the first trilogy. Oh! At the dog park. <laughs> At the dog <laughs> Yes, I want, I want, really want a short story of Jackal and Mustang growing up. I think that's my number one. Yeah, that would be a good one. I don't know who else. I, what else I want? I want so many. But Cass, Cassius at any point during the entire series. <laughs> yeah, those missing years where Cassius went missing. Oh, and we're getting the um, Fishner's backstory for the graphic novel, so we can read those too. Oh, yeah. I've read half of them so far. Um, okay, do you want me to tell you what Shadow and Bone is about? Yes, and then also tell us how far to read. Ah, yes. Okay. <clears throat> so I will read the back of... Shadow and Bone, the first book in the new trilogy by Lee Bardugo. Uh, okay. Surrounded by enemies, the once great nation of Ravka has been torn in two by the Shadow Fold, a swath of near impenetrable darkness crawling with monsters who feast on human flesh. Now its fate may rest on the shoulders of one lonely refugee. Alina Starkov has never been good at anything, but when her regiment is attacked on the Fold and her best friend is brutally injured, Alina reveals a dormant power that saves his life, a power that could be the key to setting her war-ravaged country free. Wrenched from everything she knows, Alina is whisked away to the royal court to be trained as a member of the Grisha, the magical elite led by the mysterious Darkling. Yet nothing in this lavish world is what it seems. With darkness looming and an entire kingdom depending on her untamed power, Alina will have to confront the secrets of the Grisha and the secrets of her heart. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> it seems a little young elitish, almost. Yeah, like this darkling and the superpowers. And yeah, I'm I'm excited. It sounds good. Um, so let me tell you how far to read. It is. I have it on my Kindle, and it looks like it's 353 pages. Okay. So looking at the book, I think we should read up through chapter. 14 or 15. Um, you don't have the book, do you? Um, I do in the other room. I don't have it in here. Do you want me to go grab it real Let's quick? Let's read up... Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> Let's read up through chapter 14. Let's read th- through chapter 14. So when you get to chapter 15, stop. Okay. Go team. Okay. Oh, I think it's your turn to tell me a dad joke. Oh, man. I totally forgot. And I don't even... Okay, let me... Give me one <laughs> second to think about this. <laughs> Like oh how, God, your, your how panic is like. <laughs> well, okay. So I've been like writing things down. <laughs> like I have all these drafts in my email called "joke for podcast." Oh no! As like my dad says stuff or whatever. But I'm trying to. Okay, this is this one's fine. Why can't you trust an atom? Have you already done this one? No. Okay. I don't. Um. I don't know. Because they make up everything. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's really good. I like that. That's such a nerd joke. <laughs> oh, also, my dad's a nerd, and so am I. <laughs> that was really good. I I keep a list of jokes we've told. Well, jokes that I've told, so we, I don't retell any of them. But oh, that's a good idea. I should probably do that because now I'm gonna Google jokes next time I forget, and this one's gonna show up. But yeah. um, have you? Okay, so um, Pi Day is like one of my favorite days because I'm a nerd and I just think it's fun. It's also the day Toby was born, so now I have a reason to celebrate. Aww. But one of my favorite, like, comics ever, it's the pi sign and the, like, imaginary number sign, like, the square root of negative one is I talking uh-huh. to each other, and one's going, be rational, and the other one goes, get real, <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> like, I love that comic. <laughs> 
That's really cute. I wish I was a maths person so I could (laughs) relate. But I did get that joke. I did get that. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. um, What's the... I'm sorry to say goodbye. Wait, what's the opposite of howdy? Is there like a... Is there a Western... Like, how how do you buy? Like, aloha? Uh, Bye. Bye, Felicia. (laughs) Bye, Felicia. (laughs) We should, wait, before we say bye, we should say, um, thank you for listening. We should. If you're listening, thank you. And also, we, um, decided that we're gonna take a week off in between series, right? Yep. Okay. Just because I need a week to, like, mourn the loss of a series before I can start another one. And I think you feel the same way. I do. Especially when all these characters keep dying. I know. I just can't, I can't move on so quickly. It's like, it's not enough time. Especially between. to a new world. Like it's. Yeah. 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 So we're going to take some time, digest this book, and then we'll see you in two Find weeks. Find some new dad jokes, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, we also wanted to mention if you want to follow us on social media, we are on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we're at MNK Talk YA on Instagram. It's basically just a lot of pictures of our dogs and then we're on facebook too and if you want to send us an email you can just email us at mnktalkya at gmail.com all right on that note bye bookworms and felicia (laughs) and howlers (laughs) and get a library card Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.